재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Some years ago I started calling myself Ginger Peter Sherlock Rosemary Emmanuel The Archbishop of Canterbury You may know me better as The Real Slim Shady Rumoured to be the new signing for Westminster and the Thames. And I just love to ride horses. But only if the Banjo Union Bolt has been correctly fitted. First chapter. It is time again for first chapter. We read you an excerpt from a different book every Sunday morning, usually from the exposition. Today, I'll be reading from Imunyar's Pilone Tueci, or Pilon's Pig. The title of the book is a reference to the Greek philosopher Pyro and what happened when his ship was caught in a storm one day. When his fellow passengers on board the ship were all unnerved by the storm, he kept calm and confident. pointing to a little pig in the ship that went on eating and telling them that such was the unperturbed state in which the wise man should keep himself. In this story, the pig that tries to stay calm is a discharged soldier who is taking the army train home after three years of military service. Just when he thinks the nightmare is over, a group of marines on active duty barge into the train car to coerce money from the discharged soldiers. I'll be back after 절대 by 도끼. Pylon's Pig by Lee Munyeol. Lee was going to steer clear of the army train. Just thinking about his past three years in the army gave him the chills. When he was a civilian, he'd met people who spoke wistfully of their military service. and vowed to himself that he would never be one of those idiots who looked back on the service years with tearful fondness. Now that his rueful days in the army had come to an end, and he was finally going home, the very idea of getting on the army train again was revolting. Or so he thought the night before. However, circumstances changed overnight. His army buddies were having more than enough rounds to celebrate, and he had joined in on the festivities. He put some money aside for the train ticket, but discovered he was a little short as he was about to leave Seoul. He had indulged too generously on celebrating his discharge, that if he paid the full fare for the civilian train, he would have had to get off at Daegu and walk the 80 kilometers to his hometown. He had no other option besides going to Yongsan, the sinister place he fought tooth and nail to avoid, even as a serviceman. Fortunately, it was an army-wide discharge day, and so a separate car was reserved for the discharged soldiers on the army train. The car was not so crowded, which put his mind at ease. Following his habit, he found himself a seat about ten rows from the entrance, close to the exit, but not too close. Sitting in the middle section of the car was akin to inviting trouble. 
to being right in the middle of things and putting himself in the way of possible nuisance. He threw his small toiletries bag on the luggage shelf and was getting comfortable in his seat when two discharged soldiers took their seat one row ahead of him. No peace of mind if you sit in the middle. If there's an accident, it's a long way out, but it's too busy around the exit, so here's just right. The way they were speaking formally to each other, it seemed they had just met at a bar or restaurant near the train station. He happened to glance at them and saw a face he remembered, but couldn't place. The soldier looked at him too, and recognized him. Who's this? It's Lee. Remember me? Hong Dongdok. It's Hong Dongdok. Memories of Hong Donghead rushed back, and Lee was able to place Hong. They met at the assembly camp and went through boot camp together at training camp number two, and then the same company, platoon, and squad. But the reason he remembered him wasn't only because of the uncanny coincidence. After three years, Hong stood out in his memory among the numerous others who trained with him because of an attribute that was a little embarrassing for Hong. Hong, who was a day laborer in the Gyeongnam countryside before he lied about his education, even then, the army did not take men who did not graduate from elementary school. To enlist in the army was the only one in his platoon who couldn't remember simple army protocol, let alone the soldier's path. He never managed to disassemble and reassemble the rifle in the allotted time and had to work extra hard to make up for it. As squad leader, Lee went through pains restocking numerous supplies Hong lost. No wonder everyone in the platoon called him Hong Dunghead. Recalling all of this, Lee asked in spite of himself, You must have had a rough time. At this, Hong looked visibly sulky. It was a resentful look that said, You still think of me as Dunghead. It's a rough time every time you leave home. Still, I was better off than other folks on account of my assignment. How about you? Pretty rough. A week before discharge and I was still working. Lee replied as he recalled the week before when he had to work on little to no sleep, making the inspection chart, and the staff officer at the Office of Armed Forces Information and Education, who alternated between threatening and groveling to get him to finish before he left. Dang it, every soldier gets his break at the end. Where were you? Encouraged by this news, he dropped the formal speech. At the OAFIE at XX Division... So it's true what they said. You get to work to death at the HQ or some such fancy place. When Lee was appointed to the division headquarters thanks to his college degree, he frankly felt a little good about himself. 
But he soon realized that all young Korean men in the army did the same amount of work for three years, although the form of service may vary. The same amount of blood, sweat, tears. This organization could not function when soldiers had easy work. Where were you, Hong? Changpari, a low-ranking rifle company. I was out of the loop for the last two months. A quiet place in the middle of nowhere is best. Hearing this, Lee was suddenly reminded of the rifle company near the front he once inspected. They had seemed tired and oppressed. Being a rifleman may have been easier than being a mountain village woodsman, but the rifle company did not seem like such a comfortable place that soldiers would boast about it. Hong must have seen the doubt on Lee's expression as Hong began to volunteer details. Ever been to the company's supply and service division? Heaps of things to eat and wear. When we got a shipment of chicken, we kept a few on the sly and fried them up in cooking oil. Real good stuff. It would have been very difficult for a soldier in the company's supply and service division to get away with stealing. And besides, Hong was too slow for such duties. But as mess personnel, he would have been able to do both. Lee took a closer look at Hong and noticed the extra pounds and a trace of grease and soot on his chubby fingers. Aware that the mess was generally staffed with soldiers who were too old or too ignorant, Lee put two and two together. Nonetheless, Hong chattered on excitedly. I had my superiors eating out of my hand. They wanted so much as a bag of rice, they had to get it through me. Thanks to that, I spent my weekends at the village pub. I had a stash of ramen noodles and rice all to myself. No one could touch it. Listening to Hong's story, which was likely fabricated by stringing other soldiers' anecdotes together, Lee noticed how much Hong had changed. Rather than being impressed by the life skills Hong picked up in the army, Lee lamented the transformation of an innocent farmer into a mediocre crook. Hong turned his attention from the downcast Lee to the more responsive discharged soldier sitting next to him, who made for a better conversationalist. The train car had filled up in the meantime and was now clamorous with the sound of people talking, chiefly on the same topic as Hong's. Human memory was plagued by such convenient partiality. How long ago was it that they were gritting their teeth during perimeter patrol on a cold winter's night, or being demeaned under the guise of discipline or some special training? Ten? Twenty years ago? A little frustrated by this folly, he closed his eyes and tried to ignore the conversations around him. Sleeping seemed a good idea. The train had departed in the meantime and was making its way over the Hangang Iron Bridge. Lee was drifting off to sleep a while later when, suddenly, the door of the train car flew open and a fierce, brutish voice jolted him awake. Lee saw servicemen with black gaiters, likely a marine, hammered and screaming at the top of his lungs. Another Marine appeared behind the drunk Marine and tried to calm him down. Hold your horses. These are discharged brothers. The sober Marine's effort appeared half-hearted as he looked around to gauge the reaction in the train car, which instantly fell to complete silence. Discharged my foot. What do you scums want? A medal? Hit him too. The sober Marine tried once again to make nice. Hey, Sergeant Lim, go easy on them. They're on their way home after three years of tears and snot. No way. All the more reason to hit him up. I got beat up so bad, and I still got 13 months left. 
These kids are going home soft and pink like a baby. The drunk Marine kicked the door again and signaled toward someone behind him. Half a dozen Marines stepped in on cue. The sober Marine grinned as though he had no choice and announced the real purpose of this visit. Pardon us, brothers. Spare a coin or two for your poor, suffering juniors. We just want a little drink. We won't rob you for nothing. The songs we played in between were Eclipse by Ingve Momstein, followed by Stradivarius singing SOS. Today I read from Imunyar's Pilone Deji or Pylon's Pig, translated by Jamie Chang, which would be me. The story was published as part of the Asia Publishers K Fiction Bilingual Editions, and copies are available any place where books are sold. Imunyar was born in Cheongwondong, in the heart of Seoul, in 1948. He grew up during the years of intense ideological conflicts following Korea's liberation that set the tone for both his life as a writer and a person. Yi's father was an intellectual with communist leanings who defected to the North during the Korean War, leaving Yi to a weary life as the son of a political offender. In his novels, Periphery and The Poet, both published in the 1990s, he paints a picture of himself as an outsider an intellectual living in a society without ideological freedom. If you want to know what happens next to the man on the train, check out Imunyar's Pylon's Pig. It is time for this week's quote. This week's quote is from Patricia Highsmith's Carol, which was originally titled The Price of Salt. The film adaptation of this book received several Oscar nominations and is screening in theaters now. She felt there were thousands of words choking her throat, and perhaps only distance, thousands of miles, could straighten them out. Perhaps it was freedom itself that choked her. Once again, that was from Patricia Highsmith's Carol. We have arrived at the end of our show. Please go to our website if you would like to learn more about next week's topic. I'm Jamie Chang. Have a wonderful week and tune in again next Sunday at 10 a.m. for another brand new installation of The Bookend. Taking us out is Lazenka Save Us by Sinechal. Please enjoy. <laughs>